Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you went to school where in uh, Kingsville or? No, I went to uh, Pan Am. Pan Am. Before they turned into uh, UTRGV. So UTRGV. thank God. I'd rather have graduated from Pan Am than UTRGV. UTRGV. <laughs> you know, but hold yeah. that thought. I need to pour me a beer before I forget. Yeah, pour yourself one. and welcome everybody to another episode of Thinking Twice, a post-grad life podcast from a multicultural lens. I am your host, Jesus Saleman, and this is episode nine, Texas Country. We're still going strong with the social distancing series. We're still interviewing people via Zoom, and today I'm excited because Matt Castillo, Texas Country Music Artist, will be joining us from South Texas via Zoom. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Uh, this is going to be, uh, I mean, he has a great story and I'm excited for y'all to hear it. Um, today's topic is, you know, the change of course, right? Sometimes we plan to do something like, I don't know, becoming a doctor or, you know, becoming a lawyer or something. But in our journey, we find different passions, we find different goals and ambitions, and we change course. And that's totally cool. Um, doing what you love and what you enjoy is really important. And so this story, Matt's story, is incredible because he, he followed his heart. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's out there playing his guitar and playing music that he loves, and, and I hope you guys enjoy his story because it's really incredible. Uh, we're, what, week 16, 17 maybe of uh, staying at home? <laughs> and it's starting to get hot. It's, it's summer already here in Texas. Um, well, here in Houston, I don't know. It's just been humid and sticky outside. And I mean, honestly, this is one of the reasons why I decided to move from Houston a few years ago. <laughs> but I'm back. This is my second summer back. And, and uh, yeah, I've been, I've been staying inside as much as I can. Although it does feel good in the evenings and early in the mornings. But, like, from 9 to 6, it's, it's, it's scorching outside. Yeah, no. Um, anyways. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Quick shout out real quick. I just want to send a quick shout out to my boy, Sammy. Uh, if you guys haven't heard his podcast, you guys should check it out. Um, Sammy was a guest a few weeks ago here on, on Thinking Twice, but now he has his own podcast called Charro Beans. And uh, him and his homie, Victor, they, they discuss all their stories uh, from where they, when they were playing mariachi um, and it's a, it's a really funny podcast. I encourage you guys to check it out. That is Charro Beans all together. Charro Beans. Uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm always open for suggestions for the pod. So please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If you, if you want to come on the show or something, shoot me a DM. You know, don't be shy about it. I'm 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 an open person. I'm cool, or at least I think I'm cool. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's uh let's collab and uh follow us on Twitter, man, on Instagram. Send us your questions if you have any questions. And uh we'll go from there. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Castillo. What's up, Matt? How are you doing? 
I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on your podcast, man. And a lot of people have podcasts, but that's pretty sweet that uh that you have one too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had to join the the rest of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, man. I've always uh it, it takes a lot of uh I would say um courage and and uh, balls to have a podcast cuz everybody has one. What's your you know, what's your unique take on it? What's your spin on it? How do you make it your own? These are the things that people have on podcasts and you know, yeah. like Joe Rogan is such a good podcast interviewer, I should say. I think that's the biggest one is is on a podcast is how do you flow with uh, somebody that you don't know right. or uh, how do you get along and how do you make the conversation going. But either way, the cool thing also about podcasts is you can say anything that you want yeah, <laughs> and um, not be uh, censored. So that's cool, too. And you can kind of speak your mind, which is a, a good place to do. Sometimes you need it. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is uh, the place for it. Uh, yeah, but like I was saying, yeah, I uh, I started this podcast uh, uh, earlier this year, and it's been going good. We're on our uh, ninth episode, so yeah, I'm awesome. excited. Yeah, man, yeah. thanks so, for having. For sure, thank you, thank you. Um, so, for everybody that doesn't know you, uh, how about we do a little quick introduction? Um, so, just kind of like um, you know where you're from, uh, where, where you graduated, what you majored in, minored, and the career field that you're in. Yeah. So my name's Matt Castillo. Uh, I was born in Austin, Texas, raised in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I went to, you know, elementary, high school, middle school, high school. I ain't that smart to go from elementary to high school, but uh, graduated, joined, uh, wanted to go to college. I wasn't too sure where I was going. Uh, I didn't do that good in school, <laughs> so I settled <laughs> for our our local college which was at the time university of texas pan american and so i started studying criminal justice uh and then i changed my major to communications i wanted to be a sports newcaster anchor oh uh, nice work with the news work with espn i wanted to do something with sports and then that didn't work out i was like no nah, i think i'm gonna change my major again so i went with kinesiology so um, I graduated with my athletic training degree with a minor in criminal justice. And now what I'm doing full time is being a musician, being the wow. band. So that, I'm not using any of my, yeah. <laughs> any of my college, you know, I have my college experience, but my degree, I'm not even using it. I, I don't, I, I don't know how I could use it, you know? So right. music is uh, definitely the full time uh, job right now. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and so usually uh, when I start the podcast, I like to do the uh, current events. So um, with all the COVID-19 going on, how have you been adapting to COVID-19? And It's been a lot of, I want to say a lot of self-reflection, um, a lot of ups and downs. When we were, uh, me and the boys, we were rolling and we were doing some really good shows. We had some really good shows coming up as well. And that just came to a complete stop and understanding how you know, important or severe the virus can be really scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, and so what we had to do, we had to adjust and we had no shows coming in, which meant we had zero money coming in. And as a uh, independent artist or an up and coming artist or just an artist in general, that's where you make your money, you make your money on, on shows and getting people to your, your, your buy tickets and, and sell merchandise. And we can't do any of that. And so we lost a lot of shows and my guys lost out on money and, it was just one of those, you know, owner, you know, owner mindset. Like, how am I going to get these guys paid for what they were lost? So, 
right. just had to adjust. And so I, I did a, uh, I did a live stream on Facebook and I, and I named it, you know, give back to the band. And so the guys were, were uh, so supportive on that and the fans yeah. were, too. you know, they were, they were tuning in and they were donating and we, give away you know i went ahead and, and gave away some merchandise and so we were able we did so good on that live stream which was i didn't know if this was ever going to happen again but um they brought enough tips and donations to give the guys to cover the guys their show money uh, from what shows they were lost so that was super good to me and i was like awesome yeah and then, uh, just started thinking about other ideas how i can still stay in touch with the fans and kind of have new music out there. Yeah. So I did a Whiskey Wednesday and my drummer is also a bartender. So I wanted to showcase, you know, his talents and, and what his mixed drinks and let him be creative in the process. And so oh. we did that for a little bit and, you know, then the COVID really kind of scared him and his parents and stuff. So they, they had to stop, but I, I still continued to do it in a very secure manner, you know, location. Right. So the fans really enjoyed that. So a lot of it was, you know, wake up, try to do something productive, work out, songwrite, call your friend, say, hey, do you want to FaceTime? Do you want to do some songwriting? Yeah. At the same time, figure out how in the world you're going to come up with money to pay for all the other things you have coming up, like new music and how are you going to pay for a radio promoter? How are you going to pay for advertisement? You know, how are you going to do these things without any income coming in? Yeah. And so we applied for the the payment protection program. However, since I'm a 1099, I, I don't necessarily qualify. So mm -hmm. there's a different takes, you know? Yeah. One of the biggest things though, too, for me was I took a lot of pride in owning a business such as my, my band. And I was proud. I'm, I'm proud of it, of everything, you know, but then, you know, I'm proud to do it full time when things are rolling, but then when things complete, when it comes to a complete stop like this, you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. So you take the good with the bad, you know, when you're in the trenches, <laughs> yeah. damn, you're in the trenches. When you, when you're rolling, you're rolling. It's kind of hard to, so it taught me a lot of things about business too, that you're always learning this. I didn't go to school for, to be a business person or a marketing director. These are all right, the things right. that you learn through trial and error. So COVID has really uh, enlightened me to kind of sit back and uh, read up on some stuff and get some, some more knowledge, if, if right. anything else, just more knowledge on it. Yeah, it's definitely a time to, you know, experiment and, and see what's effective, see what's not effective and try new things that you never thought of trying, you know. Um, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Lazy for one is great, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it catches up to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any uh, guesses on when you're going to go uh, hit back on the road? Well, we were supposed to have uh, July 3rd. We were supposed to do July second third and fourth we had some really great shows coming up and then the rio grande valley south texas ended up getting a spike in covid cases so uh, the yeah. counties went ahead and submitted a letter and they just shut everything down so there went our uh shows down here and we had some really good opening spots and we also had a really good bar that we did really well last time and i'm like great we can we can do it again we can make back some money even though attendance or um, capacity was only at 50 percent which you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So that got canceled. And then we didn't book any shows for July as much because we were kind of afraid. We didn't want to jump the gun and then have to cancel. So the only thing that we have right now that's probably still on the calendar is 
um, sometime in, in uh, end of July, July 31st, and go, but our August 1st got canceled. So it's really all up in the air right now, man. Yeah, I, I don't talk to tell. It's really hard to tell. These bar owners, I feel for them and their staff because they're being told by the government, you know, Abbott, you know, Governor Abbott, hey, you got to shut down. You can't do this. You can't do that unless you have a restaurant when that's 50% capacity. But even at that, they're still shutting them down. So, you know, everybody's hurting on this side of the, you know, on this side of the deal. So right. um, I always, I told myself that when we get back rolling again, I want to be able to help back, uh, help the venues as much as I can, you know, work yeah, out a deal to where it benefits them too. And exactly, yeah. so that's kind of one of those things. And a lot of my, you know, a lot of people have been telling me too, Hey man, you always want to treat the venues good. You always want to um, understand that, you're there to help them too. They need to make money. And if you're an up and coming artist, it's a little bit harder. So they're taking a big risk and a chance on you and everything right now has just been risky. Yeah. Everything has been risky. I, I know Houston has been like that. Uh, you know, uh, when it, I think like phase one or phase two started reopening and everything was, everyone was just going back to normal. And I think that's where everyone fucked up. <laughs> yeah, man. Everybody was like, shit. All right, we can get back to work. And but yeah. the thing is, the thing is, Okay, yeah, you get back to work and and all that stuff and go make money. But man, there's there's ways to approach every single situation. You know, uh, and it's all a risk. If when you go out there too, it's a risk. When you go put yourself in that position and you happen to do get it, hey, that's on you. You know, you you didn't take the precautions or you didn't express it vocally to whoever you're working with or hey, are we doing our due diligence? Are we checking right. out? people hey are you doing the right thing and not being selfish and try to because you want to go make money but because you're actually looking out for everybody else's health too you know and yeah. uh, i think that's really what it was it was people just really wanted they were so you know they were stuck at home for so long you know i can't yeah i mean it's like it's like a uh, yeah it's like a kid who never drank alcohol and you give them you send them off to college for, for the very first time and they just go wild with drinking Ben's drinking and I've been there yeah <laughs> uh well now that you know some even though Texas is still you know going backwards on the COVID-19 social distancing other places in the in the world are moving forward and and sports are coming back any uh any thoughts on sports coming back I know uh man baseball. I'm okay I'm okay with sports playing sports without fans I'm okay yeah? with that. hell yeah I you know it, it, how bad do you want sports to come back? And what are you willing to give up and sacrifice right. for that to happen? What's, uh, uh, what, what's your sport, though? What's... You know, mine, mine's basketball. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, love, I love basketball. Football, I, I can watch it. Baseball, I can watch it. You know, I love sports. I love the competition. I love the, the pride that people have in their city for their team. And, and I, I love all that. Um, but – I would have to say mine's basketball. It's yeah, they, they, I think they have some kind of system coming back. I think they're going to play in Disney or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, towards like the end of July. Yeah, are you, excited, like are you excited for that? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm interested and I'm, I'm excited actually to see how these teams do because you're coming off of a season. This should be where the NBA should, Finals. Yeah, it should have been May, done. June areas, NBA Finals. Now we're kind of – what's going to happen – once the season's over, you got to get started again. And that was it like, mm-hmm. uh, August, yeah, August, no, no. September, around August, September, October, somewhere yeah. around there. So what are you going to do? You're going to take a, a hiatus and then maybe pick, 
right back up. The only time I can ever see this happening, another time that happened was back in 99, when they had the, the uh, it wasn't a shutdown, but it was a... The stri- was it the strike? Right, it was a strike. Yeah. And so some of the games were canceled. So 99 was a weird year for, for basketball because of the strike going on. And then the Spurs ended up making it to the NBA Finals, beat the Knicks. Yeah, you big Spurs, you're you're a Spurs fan, huh? Spurs a chance, <laughs> and everybody everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you know, y'all had it easy, blah blah blah." And then after that, we <laughs> went, we don't we won right after that. You know what I mean? Like, well, it was it was a great time, you know. But that's the only time I can think of something going on was like, "Wow, it had to com- be a complete stop of just everything." Now this is across the board. Uh, but to answer your question, I I am excited and I'm looking forward to seeing just basketball in general. I, you know, I really enjoyed watching uh, the Combine, the okay. NBA, um, the Summer League. I really enjoyed the Summer League because it was just youngins just really tearing it up and made the best kid just stand out or guy. Or, they're not kids, or men. Made the yeah. best you know, <laughs> on that. But, yeah, I'm excited for sports to come back. And I just, you know, there was a number that was being thrown around for, like, the NFL. If they didn't have a season with fans in it, they were going to lose billions of dollars. Or Man, I, I – yeah, so I bet. Much just in the NFL as a, I think as a whole, but you know, there, I think there's still ways to go about it. Um, yeah, I think everybody needs to be forgiven in a sense because it's not their fault. It's not the it's, NFL. Yeah. It's not the owner. It's not none of their doing. It's just what can we, you know, I don't right? Know, it's crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I'm excited too. I'm excited for baseball to come back. Uh, you know, sports are going to be a little weird. I'm, I'm interesting how football is going to adapt to this. I'm a big college football uh, fan. I, l- I like watching yeah. college football. So we'll see. We'll how see. Your, uh, how'd your Bobcats do before? The- <laughs> Did they do good? They, yeah, that's, that's a tough yeah, one. For a while, I think they were tearing it up, you know, uh, uh, seasons past. Uh, you yeah. know, State has always just been a football team where everybody just goes and hopes to, you know, get a jump out of there. but. You know, for a while, you guys were holding it down, I think. I think it was only like one or two years. Uh, we were short from – from. Uh, sorry about that. We were, short, we were short out of um, uh, bowl games, but, you know. Really? Well, our uh, our football team down here is uh, is uh, undefeated for many, many years because we don't yeah. have a football team at all. <laughs> they tried to talk about bringing a football team down here to South Texas for, you know, University of Texas, uh, Rio Grande Valley, whatever. Uh, but I think they were just our our uh, community. I think our the region where we live is just not college. Well, yeah, like, it, it's a state or Austin. You know, people go to college and then they go home to their parents. There's not a college life, I should say. In right, South it, more uh, more uh, yeah, it gets more more like um, commuters, right? Like. Yeah. Like like UH, but you I mean UH has a good athletic program. I mean, but U of H is a big city, right? You could still go home and not feel, you know, Houston is so huge that it doesn't feel like it's, a, it feels like a college. But what I'm saying, it doesn't feel like you could just go home in a sense. Like right, right. I feel the college down here. Go to go take your classes, go home, go to work. And is you don't really have that college life because you detach from all your friends. You're not living right. in a dorm. You're not living in an apartment. There's very few, but majority of everybody lives at home with their parents. Or, um, but yeah, I wish I wish uh, we had more of a college life. And and it was really hard, you know, seeing Texas State tailgates and 
you know, UT tailgates, <laughs> down, down to South Texas and you can't, they're like, stick. Well, you know, I, uh, we, we, uh, me and a few fraternity brothers went down to what is now UTRGV mm-hmm. and we went in the spring and, and they they were having homecoming in the spring and it was a, it was a basketball yeah, it was game. Basketball, yeah. Midnight Madness or something like that. Yeah. Like, not, they were very strict though. Like no beer, no alcohol. I was like, dude, this isn't a <laughs> damn private school or catholic school i do come on have fun everybody you know but yeah i just that's the college life that i that was missing it was just having the college say hey we recognize these things but be responsible be responsible no, yeah none of that so yeah okay well let's let's go into our uh main segment of the show and uh i got some questions here prepared uh, for you about uh your career in music so uh, this first question here that I got is, uh, well, really, really, how did you um, discover and develop this uh, passion for music? Well, it started when I was a young kid living in Austin. My mom was or is a big country person. And as a little kid, my mom would listen to Garth Brooks, George Strait, Clint Black, Reba McIntyre, you know, all these artists that are big names today. Um, 90s was an era of just great country music and growing up around that era and that time I loved it I I wanted to 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 listen to it all you know and I was such a big Garth Brooks fan and still am to this day you know I I I like the Dwight Yoakam more (laughs) I do like Dwight Yoakam a lot too man you know and I but I think what caught my eye with Garth was just how entertaining he was and as a little kid I'm glued to the TV. I'm I'm telling my family to get a cassette tape, record it, because I want to watch it again and again and again. And they had that NBC special um, live in Dallas, and I was just blown away. I said, man, I want to do that, you know. So country music was always just been a big part of me growing up. And so um, the backstory is when I was living in Austin, my, my mom had to uh, save one child because I'm the baby of our our clan, you know, have an older sister and older brother. And my mom needed to say one because my mom was working two jobs and mm-hmm. she couldn't really be there all the time to be a parent. She needed to, you know, put a roof over our head and we didn't have a dad figure around. It was just my mom holding the fort down. And so my aunt and my uncle down here in South Texas um, decided to take me in and, and I, I made the decision to come down too. And so to get an education and, you know, how, how that, you, was it was it oh, right after high school no no i was in uh i was in third grade going into fourth grade oh you were young then okay yeah i was really young and so you know it surprised my mom but she knew that if i was with my aunt and uncle down here in south texas that i was going to walk a straight line and i wasn't going to go off the beaten path and i was going to do everything she wanted to do, get an education you know yeah. uh, graduate you know because my, my brother and my sister didn't they, didn't they didn't get to graduate so my aunt was just all about education and working and and she had that deal she had that fire and my mom did too and so every time at a, as a fourth grader as a little kid imagine just not being around your parents or your mom so every time that i miss my mom i play country music mm. you know and i listen to country all the time so you know as a young kid i admit you know i miss my mom a bunch of times you know i when do you ever have a kid that just does it so people are like where are you from i claim both 
you know, I claim Austin and I claim South Texas. They're both one and the same to me. You know, I grew up in, in every time, not every time, but I grew up in a time where I needed both. And I had mm. the best of both worlds because when I'm going to Austin, I have my mom's full attention because she's not going to get to see me a lot. Then when I come back home down here to South Texas, my aunt and uncle have missed me and they take good care of me and these things. So every time that, you know, I was in a position where, or a time or an emotion that I missed my mom, you know, country music was always there for me. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I just, you know, wanted to be Garth Brooks and, you know, Tim McGraw and all these guys. And oh, yeah. And, uh, I remember having like a, those headphones, those old school puffy headphones. I turn them around and, you know, I emulate Garth as his microphone and learn every song. And just that was me, man. That was yeah, all, no, me, you know. And, uh, and so I told myself uh, my sophomore year in high school, I asked my mom, asked me what I want for Christmas. I said, give me a guitar. And so she bought me a guitar for Christmas. And I was like, holy shoot, what am I going to do with this guitar? There's so many frets. It looks, you know, uh, very crazy to learn, you know, these things. Right? Yeah, so, I know. Okay. So <laughs> go back to South Texas. And I, my uncle has a booklet of chord progressions. And I start studying that. I start figuring it all out. Think where to place my fingers, strum it, blah, blah, blah. Finally get the hang of it and I start learning songs. This is when, you know, Napster was around and and uh you could download the lyrics on other like guitar, whatever. Yeah. So I I downloaded and uh printed out the lyrics of Much Too Young to Fill This Demo from Garth. So that was the first song I learned on my guitar. Oh, okay. So okay. I remember the first that was the first thing I learned. Or first song I learned. Called my mom up and told her, Hey mom, listen to this playing the song and she's just like, Oh, great. You know? And then that's when I just started learning all of my favorite country songs on my, on the guitar. Once I had that chord progression sheet and I can just figure it all out, put it all together and play along with the song. I, I just fell in love even more. And so it's just how that uh, ended up happening for me. Um, and, and that's, and at my live shows, I, I do that. I, I, you know, talk about that I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about and playing somebody else's song mm. that shaped me into you know who i am as an artist and uh and and why it happened and you know like i said i blame my mom you know my mom didn't want me to <laughs> but uh but yeah that's how the you know the backstory just musically started when i was a sophomore and i'm still trying to get better there's so many talented musicians and artists out there who can just yeah. Did you, did you ever take a theory class, like a music theory no. class to learn how to read? No, man. Right? Everything was on, you know, computer or a book or, I, you know, I was in, I was in a band in high school, you know, yeah. I was in the drum line. Uh, but oh, so you get down uh, on the drums too? Yeah. Um, well, nice. used to, right? But uh, <laughs> back in high school, yeah, I was, in, I was in band. I loved it. Junior high, I was in band. High school, I was in band. So music has always been a part of me, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And... Um, and so music has just been so important to me from it. It's kind of like little moments of my life where I can listen to yeah. this, go back to where, you know, when and where I was at that time. So, Okay. So, so you were, so you learned, you learned your guitar, you learned a few songs. Um, when did you decide to take this uh, and, and, and start performing and going to stages and, and getting your band together? Well, when I was living in, Okay, so I, I got kicked out of college. Oh, okay. I got kicked out of Pan Am, and um, I I couldn't really tell my my aunt and uncle that <laughs> I got kicked out. Right? Yeah, I was no. Like, oh, I'm a 
I want, I think I want to give back. I think I want to give Austin a shot. You know, I think I want to go move back because at a high school, I was already going into college and I was already, I was still living with my aunt and uncle and working and all these things. And I just, I don't think I was ever ready for college to be quite honest with you. I just wanted to join a fraternity party, yeah. wake up. You know, I was, I wasn't even in my right head space. I'm, I'm scheduling 745 classes. I'm staying up late till three in the morning, waking up, 745 class. I just did not understand college. Yeah. I didn't understand what time management was. No, I, just, I, yes, I understand so, that yeah. too because I, 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 I don't think I was ever ready for college, yeah. ever in my life. But I, I did it because I wanted to make my family proud. Right. But I don't think it's what I wanted to do at the time. Later on, it just hit me around right the head like, okay, you need to do this. You know, this is a plan B. Um, and so I go to Austin. And I go to ACC to get my grades back up. While I'm there, I fall in love with Texas country music. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I fall in love with that. I'm going to these shows. I'm, I'm working with people who um, know Texas country music. And being in South Texas, we were kind of, it was kind of hidden from that. You know, you only listen to what was on the mainstream radio in Texas. It was only getting played on a Saturday in South Texas, where I'm from. Right. Uh, get up to Austin and... Uh, find out, find friends, make new friends, and they know country music. And I am just like, whoa, this is something so new. This is so, no no worry in the world. I'm going to play the songs I want to play. Yeah. I'm going to write songs. You know, just that rebelness that um, you, don't, you didn't really see. So there I am being educated on Texas country music, going to Austin, you know, seeing these live shows, and I'm like, man, these guys are great. Um, so then I mean, I meet a good buddy of mine that who's who's a good buddy of mine now, and uh, we walked we uh, worked right across from each other. Cause my first job when I got to Austin was working at Bark Creek Mall, okay. and I was selling UT attire, UT clothing to college people and stuff. And and right in front of me was Foot Locker. My bud in Jordan uh, had asked me, "Hey man, do you play basketball?" I said, "Hell yeah, dude, man!" So it started off as playing basketball, and then later on, I found out he played guitar, and I had you know always been playing guitar. So we would jam out. And get together and and uh, learn our favorite songs and yeah. so there was an opportunity to go do an open mic and I went and I was nervous and he introduced me to that and made connections and then we had our first like big show me and him opening up for these local guys and you know we were excited and nervous I didn't know how to you know sing or just try my best blah 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 but it was a great feeling in the world being on stage and then and then people just. I get off and I'm like, wow, man, this is a great feeling. I think I want to continue to do this. So I come back down to South Texas, get my grades up, come back down. And one of the athletic trainers um, that I met, her name was Allie. And I told her, hey, come in an open mic. Because down here, I was searching. Down here in South Texas, I was searching for open mics. And I couldn't find one. I found two, maybe three, but they were like hardcore rock. They had their guitar amps. And I'm over here fucking singing country music. <laughs> and they're like, what? You know, but but I I needed that. So one of our fraternity brothers had was a DJ, and he ended up having this open mic. And he tells me, "Hey, man, you should come and do this open mic." And he was a big supporter early on down here in South Texas. You know, he gave me the stage to just hone in on my craft or just play the covers that I love to kind of showcase it. So going back to my my one of the athletic trainers, she was one of the the higher ups. She was kind of like my teacher kind of thing. I told her, "Hey, if you like." You know, because she liked Randy Rogers' band, and I did too. I said, hey, if you like Randy Rogers, you should come and check out my open mic. So she comes and sees me play. And she says, hey, it's pretty good. I think I got somebody uh, who wants to start a band. I say, yeah, I've been trying to look for musicians down here. I've had zero luck. I don't know anybody, blah, blah, blah. 
So she goes, okay, let me make a phone call. So I think the next day I'm, I'm hanging out with friends. She calls me. She goes, hey, it's a Saturday. She goes, hey, uh, I, I think I found somebody. Uh, can you get together tomorrow with him and, and like, see what, can, what you guys can do? And I'm like, sure. Does he have this and that? End up working it out. So uh, his name's Ruben. So he shows up, and he shows up with another guy who's a guitar player. Uh, his name's Beth, Bethel. And I uh, said, oh, okay, well, let's just jam out. So we just started jamming out, and that was on Sunday. And those guys ended up becoming part of the band, the original original band that we started. And, you know, these guys took a chance on me as much as I did on them. You know, yeah. the guitar player had a solid gig. He was a, in a wedding band. Dude, they make bank. Yeah, wedding, wedding bangs do you make? Yeah, dude. I, I was like, man, are you sure? You know, but he took a big chance on me. And, and you know, that went a long way. And and uh, our drummer, Ruben, at the time was an athletic trainer for uh, uh, high school. and so we were just struggling to find a bass player. So we finally found one through Allie again, because I went to her and I was just kind of frustrated. And I said, man, I don't even think we're going to, I don't even know if we're ever going to find a bass player. I don't even know if we're going to get this off the ground. And uh, one of the other trainers happened to hear, said, hey, I have a friend that plays bass and he likes country. And I said, all right, let's give him a shot. So he was a youngin, and his name was Danny. And he ended up being part of the, the core group of guys that we started. So once we got together, we practiced and learned a bunch of covers to go to the bars and go cut our teeth and I started writing songs and started incorporating, you know, the guys in the band to kind of write songs and kind of took the blueprint of what other artists I thought were doing with their, their deal. Yeah. And, and then um, that's how it kind of all got started. But then I realized that I, I wanted something more out of this in the long run. Like I wasn't just going to do it. I was, I was nervous and scared because you don't, you're taking on something. You just got out of college. What else are you going to do? You know, can you go right. out and start making money or, want to go do this so uh i went and signed up my my band for you know the the name under dba and i asked my my drummer if he wanted to be a partner in it and he said no you know i said okay well then i'm gonna I'm do it so um signed it up for dba and started making booking shows i started booking shows on my own dba writing. uh that's that's making it into like a business right or yeah okay yeah business and i and you know my mom my my aunt and uncle, they, they own their own business. And I was around that for years and years and years. Oh, and okay. I said, hey, how, you know, how do I go about this, doing it the right way? There's a lot of bands down here. They were getting paid cash, and they, they pay their band under the table. And then when taxes come around, they won't even bother with yeah. that. But for me, I was like, I want to do it the right way. And so that was the right way at the time. Right. So there I am booking shows. You know, we're practicing all these songs. We're trying to work in new songs. We're trying to be creative. And. And so finally we had like a batch of songs and we had a bunch of fundraisers and barbecue sales to go out and make our first album. And we recorded it here in Edinburgh, Texas. And that kind of started the, you know, what's what it is today. And yeah. so we grow as a person and as an artist and then as a business. So they all go hand in hand. And we started traveling outside the Valley right away. And because of those connections that I made in Austin and it was just, it just turned into what it is you kind of just take it little by little you start learning the business side of things hey yeah it'd be great to split the money all evenly but then how what are we gonna how right. are we supposed to make money how are we supposed to think ahead and stuff so just more business stuff that that ended up becoming yeah. and more important to me um along with the music it's a music business you have music but if you don't have the business sense or learning the knowledge yeah. of it how are you going to grow and continue to you know uh, embark on this journey that 
How are you going to be the next Rock Brooks? How are you going to be the next Randy Rogers? You know, how do you go and do those things? Is that what right, you want? Right. Or do you just want to be a weekend warrior and just play on the weekends and locally, which is perfectly fine. Right, right. But for me, I wanted something more. Um, yeah. I thought about this as a career too. And I started right. treating it as one in my mind. And that's just the drive that I just started to have. So, yeah. so I, you mentioned your, your, first, uh, <clears throat> your first album and that, that, that actually leads to my next question. What was that like? Because I know from what I hear, a lot, of, a lot of artists or, you know, a lot of bands like to go out and cut themselves off from tours. You know, they, they just go out into the, to the retreats and, and work on their music. How, how was recording your first album like? It was, uh, it was experience because none of us really had recording experience. We, you know, we try to write songs. I, I wrote, you know, majority of the songs on, on this seven song deal. Okay. And I wanted to, you know, you're young and you're green. Mm-hmm. You don't know how people are going to approach it. And if it were up to me, I think I would have waited a little bit longer to, to go out and cut those songs. I think I would have waited maybe another year to write a bunch of songs and see where my career was at or what songs we're going to bring to the table. But they did good. You know, we had a breakout. We had a couple of breakout songs, and that was great down here in the Valley. They picked it up and did really good on radio. And so it was great. I was like, awesome. But it was an experience, man. It, it was cost money. You know, time is money. And the longer you're in the studio, the more you have to pay out. So then I started realizing, wow, okay, this is not just fun and games. How are we going to – So. We told the guy, you know, I told the guy, I said, hey, man, you know, I can't do this on my own. Let's, let's go out and sell barbecue tickets, you know, and whoever doesn't meet the, the quota, doesn't meet what we need to make this album, not what we want, but what we need to, then it's going to come out of your pay when it comes to shows. It just seems fair. You're right. in it, you're in it. If you're not, you're not. Right. And so uh, we did that, and we were able to put out an album, and it was just one of those starts. And what was the name of the album? That one's called Small Town Stories. Small Town Stories. So, right. uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll link these on, on my uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. So, yeah. People so, are we curious. did that. It was the first, we embarked on the first album and trial and error, like I said, man, trial and error. You just go out and you play your songs. You try to introduce your songs into your four hour shows at the time in the nightclubs and the, and the honky tonks. And you say, hey, this is a, a you know, this is a brand new song from, whatever you start playing it and they're like oh what song is that oh it's mine or it's ours whatever though yeah uh and then after that i just kept on writing and kept on writing for the next album because i knew that was next and uh we cut that one and we cut small town stories in 2013 and then we cut the uh the second album in 2017 and by then we were i was kind of a little bit more mature um i was reaching out to more people to songwrite um, reaching into my my guys to try to songwrite one of the mm. drum, our drummer came in with a, a song title and an idea and we ran with it and um my guitar player we, we got together too got a local guy down here and then um came out with that album that one did that one did good too um uh, that one still saying is the name of that one so okay. it's just been a you never know man it's a gamble this yeah what music businesses or music in general you don't know if it's going to hit you don't know if it's going to flop uh you don't know if you're to work tomorrow. It just is just all these things. Wow. Yeah. You just got to go out there and, and bring it. So how do you go do it? Just yeah. go do it. If you're going to do it, do it. And, do and it. Don't, <laughs> don't cut corners. Don't be lazy. You know, go and do your work. 
go do the work. I think that's the number one. That's how you're going to get respect in the music business, that they see you getting your hands dirty while you're doing everything else because you have to wear multiple hats. If right. you don't have people that can wear those hats, you have to wear those, you know, mm. and have to be proud of it and suck it up. Shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So when uh, so when you decided to make this move and and you're like, all right, this is this is going to be a band, this is going to be the you know uh, a business and everything. How was that support from your family? Were they with it? Were they on board? Because I mean, you majored in, I mean, in in uh, kinesiology and how, I mean, how was that like? Like, what what did your mom think? What did your your uncle and aunt? Well, they you know again early on they're like, oh, it's just a hobby. Make sure you graduate college and. Me, I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I'll do that. So I graduate college, and we had a show uh, that night. And my mom came down from Austin, and my my aunt, and so we're all hanging out together. And um, we we go play the show, and then I get back, and my mom sees everything that's going on. She sees the CDs. She sees all these things as as a progression between October of 2013, you know, up until December of 2013. So then um, we're sitting in the kitchen with my aunt and uncle and, and everybody. And, I'm, you know, I, I tell my mom, you know what, mom, I think, uh, I think I'm going to give this band thing a try. You know, I'm not going to go out and get a job. I'm just going to do band. I think I want to see how this goes. And my mom just kind of puts her head down, looks up at me, and she just goes, so then why in the fuck did I pay for your college? And I said, well, you know, the paper's for you, you know. Um, mm-hmm. All, you know, all this is for both of you. You can split the degree in half, and you have one, you have one. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's what I want to do. The music I want to do, owning a business is what I want to do. These are the things that you know uh, intrigue me, and I want to get good at it. And the only way to do that is to get my hands dirty. So she didn't like it at first, but I I understood why she didn't because she right. hadn't she hadn't seen the work ethic yet. She hadn't seen the game plan that was already established in my mind. And all I had to do was to go out and execute it and try to get other people to buy into what I was doing. Everything that we were doing was going to take time, but it was a bigger investment in the long run for, for everybody if they wanted to be. For me, I was like, I'm all in. This is what's going to happen. So um, they were, again, to in the beginning, they were very hesitant. But then when they started seeing us gigging, leaving town to go gig, and do, you know, they were like, oh, okay started seeing the players, started hearing the music. Then they just were like very super supportive, very supportive. And to this day, they still are. They are very, very supportive of me. But at the same time, I have to keep proving to them that that this is what I want to do. This is not mm-hmm. just a hobby. This is a career. Um, and I was very honest with them. And and so now they're like, wow, okay, great. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you and you're doing good. And I can go to my uncle. We can talk business. We can talk numbers. We can talk struggles you know we we have something in common that we can talk other than you know being a family member so (laughs) i can ask questions hey how did you do this you know when he had he had people working for you you know how did you approach it how do you approach these things and these were just learning lessons and advice that i got that you know um that i couldn't get before right and then you know me and my mom we've always been good and great to each other and then she ended up opening up her own business so then we are there talking on the phone about these things and our struggles and our you know our headaches that we have to deal with but you know we have something in common now you know and so i'm very proud of her and i know they're very proud of me and and what i'm doing that's great man that's great i know it's it's always tough to uh make a move 
different than what you were planning for or, or what our parents were thinking of, of us, you know? I think it's more of a, it's more of a reason not to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, other than loving the business and loving the music and loving country music, the other part is not to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, cause I didn't have a backing. I didn't have the, I didn't have the parents that, that, you know, gave me money all the time. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was gigging. A lot of it was trying to be smart about certain things. So I had to change the game plan a little bit on the business side. I had to, the business had to take half of the earnings of these shows. Mm-hmm just to support if something bad were to happen. Right. And it might not have set well with the guys, but at the end of the day, it was, it was business. It was like, well, we have to advance these shows. We have to advance hotels. We can't just, all right, everybody pitch in for a hotel, you know, or gas. These are just the business side of things that we're just learning by trial and error. Right. And then once we established, once I established that kind of system that I wanted to run, we started seeing a little bit more success as far as going a little further. Um, away from South Texas, you know, Lubbock, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, you know, started making more headway because we had that money to kind of do that. We also had money for advertisement. We had money for, um, for equipment, you know, all these things that we were bringing to the table. So a lot of it was, was on me to make sure that the business was running successfully. And I, and I took on that, I took on that, that weight and I did it. And I told the guys, the game plan of every year was to play somewhere new and different city. And I had my goals, I had my goals laid out and I still to this day have my goals laid out. So I just, you know, went in and, and it is what it is. So still here, yeah. still alive. So I, I know you mentioned your, your uh, uncle and aunt who, you know, kind of gave you advice on running a business. Was there anyone else that you actually looked up to uh, for advice in, in progressing your career in, into this uh, new uh, career that you were, you were building? As I, as, I got, as I got more involved in the music scene and reaching out to other artists, being supportive of what they're doing, you know, being a fan of their music and just saying, hey, man, I'm, man, I'm happy to, to know you. I'm, I, I like your music. You know, let's hang out. That's when things started changing a little bit. Uh, me again, me, since I'm in South Texas, you have to understand the nearest town as far as the big city is San Antonio, which is three and a half hours away to four. Austin's five, Houston's five, Dallas is eight hours away. So you're very, you're very far apart from everybody. And with social media, it allowed me to stay in connection and in touch with everybody. So I ended up meeting a really good friend uh, that I admire. Um, his name is Drew Fish, and he's been uh, yeah, Drew Fish man. Yeah, he's been so yeah. supportive of me. He reached out to me one time and said, "Hey, man, I want to, I want to do some shows with you. I want to hang out." And and he's such he's a really good friend. And I I'd, I'd do anything for him if he asked me for a favor. I'd do it. Uh, that's how good of a guy he is. So he uh, tells me about this songwriter retreat that he's going to be hosting, and he wants me to go. So I said, like, hell yeah, man, I love to be there. My biggest goal was to just continue to write songs and get better as a songwriter and all these things. So there I am. Uh, I show up to the retreat. And the first guy that I meet is, his name is Roger Brown. He's from Nashville, songwriter. Mm. And uh, he, we are the first ones we meet. And then that turned into a friendship because of that retreat. And Roger Brown has been a a songwriting mentor, a 
country mentor, somebody that just sees the drive in you. He's not going to waste his time on anybody if he doesn't see something in you. You know, you have to understand that Roger has been in the business for so many years, so many years. The guy has, has had publishing deals, record deals, mm-hmm. touring, big band, all these things. And then it just, he doesn't want to do it anymore. He just wants to be a songwriter. So now we're getting these connections with them. And he's just been an amazing person to me, you know. And Drew was the one that put it in my head that, hey, Roger is thinking about producing again. Maybe you should ask him if he, if you, if he liked to produce you. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a producer. So, yeah, I am actually. So I'm, I'm one of those kind of like, uh, do I make the call or not? So I did. And, and Roger's just been a great mentor. Uh, songwriting, I can, if I need the truth, and I don't like it, but I need it. You know, I, <laughs> I can count on him to tell me the truth when it comes to songwriting and, and try to just get better. And uh, so he's, he said yes to producing my, my new record, but it was going to come with something. And that was patience. And patience mm-hmm. came with writing better songs because we need better songs. And mm-hmm. I just expressed my, what I wanted as a songwriter, what I've previously done and where I am in my career. And he just listened, and we created a game plan. I was up in Nashville writing songs, and I was down in the retreat writing songs. I was at home writing songs. We we racked up like forty two songs. Oh shit! Uh, and this was over a span of, of two and a half years. This is between you know still wow. saying already out up until you know right now. This past uh, January was when we went to the recording studio and recorded our our you know my third album. Um, and so he, to, he's my mentor, Roger, I will honestly say he is my mentor. And I tell him, I tell him all the time. I said, dude, I don't know how blessed I am, but he, you are my mentor, dude. <laughs> you are my guy. That's and, great. Yeah. You know, I, I never thought, I've always thought that maybe somebody else was in the business is going to be my mentor. Never thought in the million years that, that Roger would just be like, I believe in you. I, I, you're such a good guy. such a great friend. And I do call him my friend. And I can call on him on anything, and um, he's just a great person. So that's yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I I think a lot of people forget how important it is to have a mentor, someone they're guiding you and and being honest with you and leading you to the right path. But uh, I think everyone needs one. I I I have a few, and um, yeah, I mean they 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 give you this. You know, sometimes I'll I'll talk to my mentors, and 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 they give me some of those tough talks that. I'm like, fuck, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is, man, mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned so much from him over the, the span of the two and a half years up until now. You know, I'm learning. I'm still growing as an artist. I'm not perfect. I'm not. I still got my flaws. I still got things I need to work on. But the one thing we all have in common is we all have drive and we all want to do this for a living. And these guys back in the 90s. They were making bank because they were writing hit songs mm-hmm. and artists like George Strait, Barbara Streisand, Randy Travis, uh, all these guys were cutting, cutting their songs and they're making money. Now you can't make any money in the music business. It's all comes from touring, being on the road. Mm-hmm. So um, to have him, to have him as a friend and, and for him to vouch for me and put me in front of other uh, songwriters to write with, I'm, I couldn't, I didn't deserve that. I didn't ask for that, but you know, he believed in me and he saw something that maybe I didn't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And so it's turned into a really great relationship. And I, I have a lot of friends because of him. And I have a lot of people I look up to and respect uh, wholeheartedly um, in the business. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you've been, uh, you've been pretty much everywhere in Texas. Um, what has been your best concert so far? Where, where, where at? Where, what venue? I think the one that, that did it for me was that validation concert was when we, I reached out to uh, the Randy Rogers band um, management. And I, mm. I said, Hey, I, I see you guys are coming down to far Texas. Can I, you know, I'm a big fan. And I think, uh, I think my music compliments Randy and I, we can really put on a live energy show for them and get the crowd pumped for them. And, you know, I just did my pitch, my sales pitch. And, Said, yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah, you, know, you can open up. And I said, what? You know, it was oh, our wow. first show in a sense, and I'm I'm dancing around in my living room with excitement, you know, and texting my guys, hey, man, you know, we just got we just got the opening slot for Randy Rogers. You know, let's get working. You know, hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> we go uh, day of the show, we're pumped. We get everything ready, and we step out on stage, and it's like 2,500 people, oh, know, biggest shit. ever. And, you know, I just kept thinking, don't forget your lyrics. Don't forget your words. Just go out there. <laughs> it's just a sea of people, man. And uh, we did so we did great. You know, we played for free, but we made it up on the merchandise. You know, we sold shit. It was a great night. It was a great um, night. Yeah, that, that was our, our validation of our, our crowd and our hometown. And just to show them like, hey, we're here yeah going anywhere this is what we this is if you don't know who we are now you know who we are yeah oh and if we're not your cup of tea so be it you know (laughs) we are keep sipping because it's only going to get better so that was a the cool validation of my you know my family got to see it it was just you know we're that's great yeah my my band's family got to see it they got to see the the progress those opportunities because they just don't come to anybody they right to for the right people because you're look at the magnitude of the stage the event the show so for them to to let me be a part of that too was great and uh they just were super supportive at that time that's awesome man so uh just just a question um that i thought of here what would be or i guess too what would be your dream concert and then what would be your dream venue right so like like concert yeah. like i don't know like acl or right, right, right. right yeah something like that yeah um that's a that's a hard one because there's so many out there that are super awesome yeah um, definitely one of the ones that I, I wanted to get at which we did was the grizzly rose in denver colorado um oh, okay. I, so that was a bucket list show that that will be forever in my memory but um i think if i could play billy bob's texas Oh wow! Four that words. would be a, an, a that would be a concert. That'd be a great venue slash concert. Now, um, after that, uh, I know I'm reaching for the stars here, but if I was deserving of it, and I worked hard, and and, and people thought I was deserving of it, I you know I'd take the stage at the Grand Ole Opry and oh yeah, make everybody that's been an influence in my career and part of my career very proud. So those are the two ones that I that I would reach for. Um, because it's the home of country music and, and uh, me being yeah. a Hispanic guy and loving country music so much that I just want to make my, my peers and my family and my team and everybody that's part of this uh, very proud. Shit, yeah, man. And Hopefully. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully you get there, man. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I hope so too, man. Praying every day, praying every day that uh, something good happens all every day. Yeah. Hey, uh, and so uh, my next question here is: so uh, if you weren't playing music, what what would you be doing right now? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I really don't know, and here's why. Um, I think I would I would own a business. Mm-hmm. I think I would I would work uh, to own something. I think um, I just my early on dream was to be a uh, an athletic trainer for a sports team, like an NBA team, or be a strength and conditioning coach for a sports team you know i've always said it like yeah i did an internship um like i did an internship for uh, a place called train for the game Mm. and um i i was like i just want to learn i know there's somebody else that's probably deserving of this but i'm not gonna let you down more hard and they were training you know colt mccoy they were training guys from ut uh baseball players professional people just regular people and I said, man, this is what I want to do. I want to make somebody better. I want to work with an athlete or athletes and make them better right? and, and be that guy. But it didn't work out that way. And if I wasn't doing music, then I, that's what I'd probably do. I'd probably own my own strength and conditioning program and facility and work my butt off and, and educate myself so well that I have, I'm working with other people and I'm doing internships. I'd probably be doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that was your that was your background and right. I would that's how I would apply it. I wouldn't I wouldn't be stuck with uh, like a high school team or fresh you know junior high. I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to live that life. I wanted to have that freedom and and then see that progression because to see a athlete or several athletes that you've trained through weeks and months and just see their progression grow and see their confidence just light up and. I am, I can do this, you know, I'm, I'm part of his or her success. Right. And it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling just giving back and making somebody better. And so mm-hmm. I think having that background and then understanding how, you know, other songwriters have taken me a chance on me and seen me grown. I know that makes them feel good because they see me get better and mm-hmm. I recognize those things and I'm very appreciative and thankful. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, Hey, um there you go uh-huh. <laughs> what are you drinking over there oh uh, miller light yeah i I love miller light. my grandpa's favorite beer yeah miller. yeah i could not do i, I think out, out of all the light beers uh I'm, when i was in college i drank a lot of uh lone star but you know after a while i i don't know i i, I don't like butt light i don't like uh Natural light, but Miller light. Uh. I can't do Miller light, my man. I can't. Mm-mm. I cannot. When I first moved back to Austin in college, I called up my one of my cousins mm-hmm. who still lives in Austin. And his name is Jaime. He's been an awesome cousin to me. Uh, I, I called him up, and I was one of the young ones. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. "All right, cousins, let's go." We went to this bar called, uh, at the time, it was called Long Branch Saloon. It was off of Eleventh uh, Street. I think now it's a nickel city. Uh, mm. But we went in that bar and the first bar, the first beer that I had with him was a Lone Star beer. It was a bottle just, man, I have the best time with him and drinking Lone Star. And that was my first time drinking Lone Star and with my cousin 
at that yeah. time. That's a good and time. Every time I was living in Austin, that's all I have. We would go down to the Barton Springs, um, I think it's Barton Springs Saloon, I believe. And they used to have Dollar Lone Star. Ooh. I'd eat get a six pack. And I'd go with my, my other cousins and we'd just go and hang out outside. And summertime we'd go, dude, oh my God, what a great, what a great <laughs> memory. Like, I, you know, my heart hurts thinking about that right now because everybody's just, they just grew up. They just got older and had bigger responsibilities. But at that time, we were just in it. You know, and yeah. every time I go back to that bar, I just, you know, my heart hurts a little bit because it's sad because there's so many good memories here. Go down there, drink beer, talk about life or what we thought life was at that time. And yeah, <laughs> blast. just go. We just went to go get drunk. We didn't just go to have a good time and catch a buzz. We just went to go have fun and get drunk and then go to Sixth Street. You know, they didn't have this, the damn scooters or anything. We fucking drove down there and took risk it, risked our lives to go have a good time. and. uh so yeah, talking about beer, Lone Star. And so my grandpa loves Miller Lite, and mm-hmm. his uh, refrigerator is always stacked with 24 cans of Miller Lite. Um, always. And one time for his birthday, me and my cousin, Zach, we uh, got my grandpa drunk on Lone Star, which we should have known better. <laughs> he, got, he got drunk a lot faster. So we know not to mess with grandpa's beers. But the one thing I do love, too, is when I go to Austin, they are usually my first stop. I either go have breakfast, lunch, or, or uh, breakfast or lunch with them. And if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, if it's 9.30 in the morning, no matter what time it is, if my grandpa cracks a Miller Lite, I'm cracking a Miller Lite. Oh, yeah. Don't you ever <laughs> take your grandpa by drinking by himself. And so, I'm, I mean, I haven't had a, a Miller Lite, you know, at a 9.30 in the morning before, you know, that I could recall other than spring break. But it yeah. was my grandpa, <laughs> you know, it was such a – Another fine, fine memory of my grandpa. And he's still alive he, up in Austin, you know. He's hanging in there, kicking butt. And I told myself when my grandpa dies, I probably the only thing I'm ever going to drink is Miller Lite. You know, he's just, you know, he's that man. He is that guy. So, yeah, so many good memories when it comes to beer and family. So, yeah. Well, well, shout out to your grandpa and Miller Lite. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only time I really, like, went hard on uh, – Lone Star was tailgates, and uh, yeah, and we started drinking early at tailgates. And those uh, UT tailgates are not to play with. Um, I've I've had some really good days, you mm-hmm. know, noon, getting day drunk for sure. I don't know how people can last going from like, you know, tailgates and then hopping to Sixth Street and then staying out till two in the morning. God, I, you know, yeah. You want to get tailgate though? You're gonna to have to come to San Marcos with with the the Texas State boys, mm-hmm. because man, we <laughs> we heard about your tailgates. Uh, they're awesome to mess with. Yeah, no, they're they're um, they're insane. We'll see. We'll see this year if, if everything goes well. Maybe we'll have you over, man. Yeah, man. I've been thinking about getting out there and hanging out with you guys, or going to a couple of sorority houses and playing some acoustic mm-hmm. song or show or something everybody used to do that and it was such a good good cool thing to do i think yeah no for sure all right so the last question here i have for this segment is uh, what advice would you give to any uh any young musician that's that's thinking about doing this thinking about following a similar path as you um i would say just have a game plan um have goals what you want to do because it's 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 so hard because 
you have to understand as an artist or if you want to do this for a living, you also have to take on the other responsibility of the man, the, the business side of things because it's yours. It's your dream. It's your, nobody's going to work harder for you other than you. Mm-hmm. So as an artist, you want to do this, you got to have a game plan, business plan. I, all the, I think all that goes hand in hand. It just, if you want it to be a hobby, then just be honest with yourself. Okay, hey, I just want to play gigs on the weekends on these local bars around these towns, and that's it. And that's mm-hmm. fine. You want to kind of go for something a little bit bigger, dream a little bit bigger, then you need to have some knowledge of the inner workings of how businesses work, how your music business works. You know, your uh, royalties, your publishing, you know, your songwriting stuff, you know, all that. They all go hand in hand. You got to be okay with wearing multiple hats. Um, Mm. So my advice to them is just have a game plan, set your goals, and know that it's not going to happen overnight. And and if it does, well, shoot, man, you hit the jackpot. But it's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of crappy songs. It's going to take a lot of, nope, that doesn't sound good. And you're going to get a lot of no's. No, no. Can I play your venue? No. Can I open up for you? No. No. Can you know? No. 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 He just knows. Just get used to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but always just know that what you're doing deep down inside is is makes you happy, and you're mm-hmm. not doing it for somebody else. You're doing it for you. And once you have your goals, once you have it laid out, stay the course. Um, don't let anybody try to come and infiltrate and try to take you off course because that's just going to lead to bigger problems. Um, Find a really good group of guys that believe in what you're doing and you take good care of them, that you trust them and you let them know what's going on at all times. Uh, do they need to know the inner workings of your business? No, but they need to still need to know where they're going. Uh, shows, songs, mm-hmm. um, just keep them in the loop of things and, and just try not to lose your band, you know, and uh, they do leave, they leave on their terms but you knew you did everything right in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, man. And I'll, I'll help out anybody. Like there was a kid today that wanted to learn one of my songs on Instagram. And uh, I said, do you have your guitar? He goes, yeah. Man, how to play my song. Um, good luck. And if you need anything, you holler at me. I, you know, those, that, I didn't plan that, but the kid reached out and I said, yeah, dude, if you want to learn my song, I, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll teach you. So good thing about social media is you can reach a lot, a lot more people. But then I think it's also a needle in a haystack to try to be found. You yeah, gotta really, you got to really work hard for it. And uh, I think that'd be my only advice. I know that's a lot, but I mean, it's, no, 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 that's so that's terrible. That, that is perfect. So many things to that come to play when it comes to music. It's not just right. One. You just can't just write a song and then because you got to learn everything else. Right. Right. So, so, so yeah. where, uh, where can everyone find you on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, so social media, it's um, at Matt Castillo Music on Instagram. Facebook is Matt Castillo Music. Twitter, the Matt Castillo. And my website is mattcastillomusic.com. And uh, you can stream all my music everywhere you get your music streamed. Uh, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Tidal, Pandora, all them mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I, and I'll, I'll make sure that I put a little link to them so that, oh, we, uh, yeah. so that everything can be easy and smooth for everyone, for, for, for everyone to, for, to, to find you. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into our next segment though, uh, I know you, you know, you, you, you've been on the road a lot, you toured a lot. Did you, have you ever met, uh, Evan Felker? This is just a personal question of mine because <laughs> I, I love, Tur- yeah, I love Turnpike. Um, no. 
I've seen him like three feet away from me. Yeah. I'm too scared to talk to him. Man, that. <laughs> I've also seen him live down here in South Texas in, in a place called Las, ba- uh, Las Palmas. Yeah. And Jason Bolin opened up for Turnpike. And when Turnpike came out, there's maybe like 30 something people or. The only people who knew what, who Turnpike was was at that show. Yeah. It was cold. It was wet. Uh, and, you know, it was a great concert. It was like a private show, you know? <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm no, 30 fan, people? I'm a fan of Turnpike. And, uh, but I've never, I've never, like, shook his hand and met him. I've just seen him, like, three feet away from me up in Steamboat for Music Fest. But that's it. Oh, man, even if I could, there. you know, even if I could talk to him, I'd probably be scared to you. I, I would have to get drunk. <laughs> you know i'm talking yeah no Tur- turnpike man the he uh, turnpike is the soundtrack of my my college career <laughs> nice, man. yeah yeah all right well let's go into this uh this next segment the last segment here but okay. but before that steamboat is definitely a uh a, a festival i wanted to go to every year i always want to go you gotta, I you gotta go man you gotta find somebody who can call for you to make sure that you get in Mm-hmm. We we went as a group of friends and stuff, and we went as a fan. And mm-hmm. I've never been so close to my my favorite country, you know, Texas country artists, and yeah, and and talk to them. And then uh, second time around, I went with uh, Rebecca Creek Radio, and got to do acoustic songs there. Got to showcase my music and got to hang out, and uh, it was such an awesome experience. And then I went back again. The same thing. It was just, yeah. and it was crazy. I took a, when I first came out with the first album, I went up to Steamboat and I went to the Dung Beetle at the, the open mic and played my songs. And it was such, that's where people get found sometimes. And it mm-hmm. was just a great experience. Um, got to ski, got to drink, got to, it was a great time. I would recommend it to anybody that yeah. loves. Well, like how, how, how would you explain it to someone that, that doesn't know about Steamboat? You go up this, Drive up this big old mountain. You're there for four days, skiing, drinking, live music everywhere uh, from morning to night. Night is a big tent. And Shit. Go and as you get to do, you get drunk, you get high, you get plastered. I I found my new drink up there when I was my first time up there. It was a it was a root beer and Jaeger together at the time. Oh, okay. I haven't. Uh, I've never tried that. Amazing. And uh, I'm not like I'm not huge on Jaeger, but if you could put Jaeger and uh, root beer together, it's the same thing that licorice tastes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I probably wake up with a huge hangover. But uh, <laughs> man, it was fun. I got to ski. But but the first time, but the first time I went, I didn't go to ski. I went to go and see all these concerts. Like I had a book. They had a book of who was playing oh, where yeah. and and I just that's I left everybody alone. Like y'all go do your own thing. We'll rendezvous for dinner or lunch. But I'm gonna go. And listen to songwriters. I'm gonna go go mm-hmm. play them. Play, you know. I'm gonna go try to play these places. You know, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. Yeah. Uh, one of the other great memories of music, and I have that I was able to have blessed to go out there and go share my music and right all that stuff. It was fun. But uh, if you just love to party and ski and love country music, that's that's the place to that's the place to go. Texas Music Fest Steamboat. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go into this last segment here. I have qu- five questions that I always ask all my guests. I like to call it the close it, the closeout Q and A segment. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, these five questions. Uh, 
you can take them to your interpretation. I, I like I said, I asked these to everyone, and uh, here we go. We'll go with the first one. So, Matt, what was the worst job you ever had? Worst job. Uh, not not first, but worst. Like a worst job. The worst one. Yeah. So we could oh, stay shit. away from it. Uh, <laughs> shit. Um, I had to. Okay, so th- these are all the jobs I've ever had. All right. I've worked at HEB pushing mm-hmm. carts. I've worked at the Parks and Rec, South Texas. Um, I've been a referee. I've worked at the YMCA in Austin being an after school counselor, like, you know, just a babysitter. Yeah. I've been a male nanny for a second grader um, up in Austin. Okay. And uh, I've worked with my uncle <laughs> as well. Uh, <laughs> and I've been a substitute teacher as well so if i had to rank them the worst would probably be uh, pushing carts at h-e-b really yeah yeah pretty fun and dandy everything was Where, where'd you do it at in the valley or in uh yeah i, I did another one off of h-e-b off of trenton i was uh pushing Oof. carts and stuff I was like this shit sucks <laughs> it's something else so i ended up you know getting a job at parks and rec and worked my way up and and then uh when i moved to austin i was a ymca counselor oh i worked at the mall sorry yeah, 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 yeah. That was fine. Uh, I've been a basketball coach or AAU coach uh, yeah. in Austin. Love that. That was amazing. Got to travel, uh, coach kids, you know, being a, a mentor to them too. But probably the worst if I had to rank them in that order would probably be pushing cars at each of you. Yeah. I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, the second question here I got is uh, what is your favorite meal to cook and, uh, and why? I love Asian food. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I love Asian food, Italian food, Mexican food. Um, but if I had to make one of my favorite dishes, it had to be uh, a meats, a spaghetti meat sauce that I love dearly um, that I make to this day. It's just a nice thick meat spaghetti um, with some with some uh, garlic bread, homemade, you know, garlic bread kind of thing. But that's yeah. my favorite meal. Um, yeah. Mexican food, it's great. I, I've learned my my grandma's rice has been passed down from, you know, my grandma to my aunt that raised me. And then I've learned how to make that rice from my grandma. So it's pretty cool. I just sit down. Uh, I love to cook. I'm a yeah. big foodie. I love to cook. Really? Uh, I, man, if I wasn't doing sports training, I'd probably want to go be a chef. If I wasn't <laughs> being a chef, I'd probably go be an actor. I'd, I'd get, dude, there's a bunch of shit I would want to do. And I'm, hoping my music career can kind of branch out and I can fulfill all those goals of mine that I want. But, um, so my grandma made this rice and I loved it and my aunt would make it and I'd watch my aunt learn how to make it, you know, and, and how, how she cooked it. And I asked questions and then I started taking a crack at it and then it just became like, people would love it too. And I'm like, it's the best Mexican rice. This is what I'm going to take to the grave, you know, or if I ever have kids, cause I don't, but if I do, I teach them how to make that rice. You know, I just keep yeah. it going as much as we can. But my favorite dish would have to be right now at this moment. Uh, oh, and then my mom and my sister make some badass pork chops with macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes and green beans, all that good stuff. Like, I love that. I still make it to this day when I feel when I miss home. Uh, but again, uh, right now, this moment, if I had to pick one, would be my uh, spaghetti meat sauce. Spaghetti meat sauce. You, you made me hungry there. <laughs> you got a lot of a lot of good options. Um, so you kind of tied this a little bit. You, you kind of mentioned this a little bit. Um, 
But all right, so let's say you're, you know, you're independently wealthy, got all the money in the world, you don't got to work. What would you do with your time? I, I don't know. What if I was a, a like a had a like, lot of cash? Um, independent wealth, like you have, you don't even have to look at the bills. You don't even have to whatever you want. You want to go to Paris for lunch? Let's do it. Like, what would you do? I'd eat all day. I'd really? just go try. Yeah, I I just go try new places, eat, travel, and eat. Is that something and that you do when you're when you're on tour? Like like when you're going? It's to hard. Tour? It it's hard to do that when you're on the road because you just have a lot of you know flying J's, pilots, uh, TAs that you're having to gas up in, and then yeah, you get to the venue and the venue has food, it's cool and all, but you don't really get a lot of downtime to go out and explore. But if I had the money to travel and do all these things, I would I would probably start a food show on youtube or something or make a new yeah. instagram of just food stuff and just go out and just eat my face off and just go to all these places and i still want to do that yeah you know but if i could i'd, I'd be a foodie and um Dude, I'd yeah. do that. eating with Play music eat food drink wine whiskey i go on whiskey tours oh nice i just go on wine tours i just do everything that i truly truly love to do every right day. all right no that's that's awesome man um so uh my next question question number four is uh who is someone you look up to right now and and why man um that's a good one i have too many for different reasons Mm -hmm. um i look up to my mom because she's a hard worker uh being in the position and the age that i am right now looking back at what my mom has done for us what she's sacrificed for us it's 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 mind blown how a woman that strong can hold it together without cracking breaking you know she is just my motivator she is like when i'm if i feel lazy i'm like my mom would not appreciate this and i would let her down um so i look up to my mom a lot uh, and and i i had to when i was older uh i had to ask you know mom why did i at a young age, why did I go to the valley? Why did I do this? You know, and she just like I didn't. I didn't have a steady home for you, and right. you didn't deserve that. And I needed to be sure that once I did, um, when you came back, you were, were going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It broke my heart to hear that, and so I, 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 I just remember that I wasn't going to let my mom down, and I was going to work super hard. And my mom is that person, so I do look up to my mom and and a lot, and I hopefully I can make her really proud and my work ethic and stuff but you know always and will be her no for sure for sure um oh that's incredible going into question number five and this is the last question um so what is what what's a book or a movie that you've seen recently or or uh what what are you binging on netflix or hulu or whatever uh yeah, what what are you binging and, and what do you what would you recommend and why? Oh man, that's a good one. Uh there was one food show called Ugly Delicious. Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. I like that. It's it had a couple of O episodes, but I still go back and I watch them. They had uh, them here in Houston, by the way. Yeah, they did that crawfish uh, yep. seafood one, the shrimp and crawfish in there. Uh, I still want to go to that place to go try that crawfish. So um that one uh man there was a another one if you can find it the eagles documentary uh mm-hmm. that one is great uh i 
somebody gave me their Hulu account because they were so nice. Um, so I started watching a bunch of random movies on there. And then I remember there was a show called Californication. Yeah. Uh, I started watching that. That's, that's, a, that's an old one, isn't it? Well, not that's that old, old one. one. Yeah, that should be on like Showtime. Yeah. Uh, kids don't watch that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> don't look at me differently. But it's just these random shows. that, I, Dude, I stumble across uh, random documentaries and I'll just watch it. I'll sit and I'll watch it. If it's yeah. a food thing, I'll watch it. If it's documentaries, I feel like it's interesting. I'd watch it. Like, right, I'm all over the damn place. But uh, recommending just, I really can't recommend much because I just, I just, and then I don't remember what I watched. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty badass. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll keep moving on. Yeah, uh, but uh, if you like food, I would, I would say Ugly Delicious or Chef. Uh, there was that- one called uh, Random Damn Fly. Uh, Man, what is it called? I think it's called Chef. It's on Netflix, and it goes. It's, it's and, a movie, follows, right? Huh? Is it that, a movie? That's there is one called Chef, a movie, but there, there's another one on Netflix where it follows around these entrepreneur, like these chefs that started from the very bottom and then worked their way up to having their own store, their own restaurant. I'm sorry, and the struggles of them failing and finding out what works for them, like their meal, what what their culinary gift is and they find it and once they find it their restaurant flourishes they become a chef right and i thought man that's an amazing story when it comes to food and you just trying all these things these palettes and they bring like they bring experiences from their childhood you know oh man it's so inspiring and then the last one i would recommend the the one i would recommend is that michael jordan documentary and that shit's good oh um the last dance the last dance that Man, if you're a motivator, that will get you motivated. If you, if you own, you know, if you own a business and you're trying to get your your people to just get behind you and just be awesome, just set the tone early. The Last Dance is amazing. It just shows a lot of respect for for basketball. And since I love basketball, you know, yeah. Jordan was was just phenomenal. His teammates around him, he just man, but he didn't he didn't stop. Yeah, he didn't no. let anybody quit. If you quit, you quit on him, and he'll done. Bye. See ya. Not deserving. <laughs> but his just mindset was just you can apply that to anything and everything that you think you can do um, with his mindset and have take that away. So yeah, the last dance, man. And but everything else I mentioned was is also really good too. That's great. That's great. All right, Matt. Well, um, this pretty much concludes our show. So. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks yeah, for reaching dude. out. And glad to be a part of it. Dude, this was such a fun conversation. <laughs> and, uh, we learned a lot about you. So, Thanks, man. Thank you I'm so much. Try to be open as much as I can. Thank you. Thank you. No, as an for artist, sure. I think you have to be uh, at some point. But exactly. uh, the other back behind story stuff that I really don't talk about, you know, but that's the cool thing about podcasts, you know, just kind of let it all it's, out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much. And uh, this concludes our show. So. Hey, man, keep in touch. Up to hang out soon and, and, and stay safe and be good. And, dude, more, uh, more power to you on this podcast, man. Many blessings. Thank you so much, man. Thank yeah, you man. so much. See ya. Careful. <laughs>